Hit Podcast. So welcome to the Big Man Bear Podcast. We're absolutely delighted to have Liam Scully of Lincoln City on. Yes, it is very exciting. I think you've been quite excited, Sal. I know, big <laughs> big Lincoln City fans, so we'll, this might be a little bit biased. So, hi Liam, how are you? Yeah, very, very well, thank you, and, and thank you for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be with you. Our pleasure, completely. Thank you so much. So, I guess we'll get straight into it. Can you tell us a bit about you and, and what you do at Lincoln City? Yeah, so in terms of uh, my, my job, I'm, I'm the chief executive at Lincoln City Football Club. Um, and I suppose in a nutshell, what, what that job is, is on behalf of the, the directors and, and the investors of the football club, I, I have day-to-day overall responsibility for, for running the club on, on behalf of them and, of course, um, the, the fans um, uh, as well you know we are a, a community football club and we're very proud of that we don't we don't shy away from that um, you know we our, our interests are in, in putting back into the local community and and adding value um, so you know I'm a, I'm a very proud small cog in in, in a much bigger wheel um, and and yeah very very fortunate to work in an industry um, that I, that I love and and I've always um, you know aspired to to work in. In terms of myself personally, I'm, uh, I was I was born and raised in in Sheffield. Um, interesting, given what we we're talking about today. But my my parents um, came from uh, mental health profession um, in in various different uh, roles. Um, when I uh, when I left school, um, I first started working in in Doncaster. Uh, working with uh, football in the community at, at Doncaster Rovers, and that morphed and changed into various different things. Had a short, a couple of short stints away working and coaching in in America, um, and and North America. Uh, a short stint working for um, the school sport partnership, and then eventually returned back to back to Doncaster, where, including in the two stints overall, did did sixteen years there. Um, joined Lincoln City four years ago, and. Very proud to have uh, have been part of the football club, um, you know, ever, ever since then. So, given your parents were in mental health profession, was is it something you've always been aware of and, and conscious of? Yes, uh, I, I, absolutely. I suppose depending at, at various different levels, you know, as a as a youth or as an adolescent, you know, growing up, um, you know, you know that that's your parents' job. You kind of have an understanding of what they do. Um, but I suppose my my mum, who who specialised in in adolescents and and children, I suppose, you know, I think, brutally put, you know, I was I was I was brought up by someone that was very aware of of kind of, um, you know, psychology and, and, and mental health. Um, so growing up under that microscope and and with that professional and personal, uh, backing and support, it, it it's you know as I've matured and as I've become a parent myself, um, it, it's led to some quite interesting conversations with uh, with with my mum because obviously a lot of the things that you know I would go as a god-given talent or as things that I'm very fortunate to have benefited from you know there's you know my, my mum's view would be that she's created the the environment or she's provided those opportunities kind of deliberately as part of her kind of parenting styles in, in preparing you know a, a, a child for the world in a, in a sense so yeah I, I suppose I've always been aware of it as to what level and as to what depth um, I suppose it's only in my kind of 
later career have I have I really understood the effects of it and and started to kind of have a have a true comprehension. Um, but whereas it's kind of maybe taboo or, or not always mentioned in some households or some families, it, it it's always been a a subject that uh, has been you know uh, on the tip of our tongues and and something that we've been aware of really. That's amazing. I mean, we've talked previously on previous podcasts about how you engage with your children on mental health and, mm. and how to even start that conversation. Is there something that you guys did on a regular basis that made you feel more comfortable about talking about mental health? Or Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, uh, my, my parents both as kind of nurturing people but in their own ways um you know if you just take the typical family my dad was definitely the softer of of the two you know i'd get my own way with dad more than i would with with mom um but obviously with their profession and 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 as you take your your presses you know your stresses home with you in somewhat you know a lot of my my parents work you know it would be discussed around you know the the dinner table uh, you know, just what was going on in their daily works, you know, the pressures that they have or the case studies or the cases that they were working on at that moment in time, you know, just as part of, you know, husband and wife conversation. And, and as a child, I'm, I'm obviously sat around that dinner table and like I said, not, not really understanding or having a comprehension for it. Um, but, you know, just hearing that, that, that conversation. So, um, you know, it, like I say, it, it was something I've, I've always been aware of and and it was like you know it was never taboo but i suppose it was their profession um so um so yeah it it was just almost natural in a a sense it just felt very normal um whatever normal may be that's amazing Mm. do you find on reflection to that when you speak with other people or notice things around you because obviously one of the reasons why we do this podcast is to spark positive conversations around mental health because unfortunately there is a taboo um connected with it so what i was trying to get to is do you notice and because i suppose it um was just sort of a common thing for you um other people struggling and maybe what am I trying to say, sort of shying away from mental health and not bringing it to the forefront? And do you recognise that in others that they are sort of brushing it under the carpet or making it a taboo subject? Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think what um, what what that experience and that upbringing has, has given me, I think it's just given me an awareness um, so as I, you know, starting off as a, as a coach and, and a sports coach and a football coach, you know, taking away the technical side of how you kick a ball or how you head a ball or whatever it may be. Ultimately, a coach's job is is to develop and nurture talent. Mm. Um, and I suppose c- coaching came quite naturally to me, I'd like to think. And, and hopefully the, you know, the people that joined in my, my teams or the sports or, or the clubs that I was I was coaching um, I, I always felt that that came quite naturally to me, and I suppose as I've my career's developed into other areas and away from coaching, I'd, I'd probably still say that fundamentally, right at the root of of who I am and what I do is, is I, I'd like to think I'm a I'm a coach. I'd like to think I I I, I can share ex- you know stories and experiences in, in order to help others 
develop and get the better of themselves you know it's a two-way process you know coaches are always learning from their participants as well so I think that shared approach and that um, you know the upbringing my early career um, blended together I think I've, I've always like, give me like I said that that hypersensitivity and awareness um, I'm definitely not a health practitioner I, you know I wouldn't ever you know you know, claim to have um, an academic level of, of knowledge in the area, but I suppose as as real life experience, um, I, you know, I feel like I've 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 you know walked many miles um, in in those shoes, um, and um, you know have have kind of just just have that awareness or have that um, experience that hopefully gives me that that blend of that kind of you know empathetic. Um, style that that is needed and that level of understanding but equally you know in a hard-nosed fast-paced business environment that is outcome focused um you know it, it, it it's it's making sure that we have a blend of blend of both um you know i'm uh, the guys will tell you who've worked with me for long enough i'm i'm not a fan of woolly fluffy meetings and um you know that that type of uh, environment you know very outcome focused but that doesn't have to be um, to the detriment of people or their well-being um, ultimately the, the people are the enablers so having people in a good um, headspace and in a place that they feel like they can thrive is really important which ultimately helps us deliver re- results from a, from a business perspective absolutely I think the, the type of role you have is very media spotlighted if that's the right term so how do you cope with the amount of media attention, whether the team's done good, done's bad, and, and, and how do you unwind after a day, given some days are going to be better than others, and as others I can imagine being quite um, media-focused? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, first and foremost, the, the one thing I would say is, it, it, you know, in, in, in a, an environment such as a football club, and, and there are many others, I think one of the things that you have to get used to right from the very beginning is at the end of every day you are given a quite public appraisal as to your performance um and uh you know the fans the sponsors the journalists the media that they will tell you and give you their view some of people them have paid to do that work some people have paid for the privilege of of seeing your product therefore will you know uh, feel entitled and, and rightly so to give a view so you know you have to uh, and working in, in football, you have to quite quickly become accustomed to the fact that people will have a view and have an opinion on, on your work. Um, and I suppose if you if you flip that into an office environment, you know, we've all mistyped an email um, or we've all made a mistake and forgot to do something. And ultimately, you know, in a business environment, you know, some mistakes are, are smaller than others. And, and you know, y- your boss would never just sit there and, and you know, hammer you for the want of a better term just just for the sake of one mistype whereas in football or in a high profile industry you get that you know you are given views on your work you know even if you don't ask for it um you know on, on a scale and, and even you know quite quite often people don't even have the the a level of information to be able to make an informed comment but they will give you a, a, a comment on that and i suppose that's where you've you've you know having an on and off switch is really important uh, being able to kind of compartmentalize um, as I've grown and as I've become a father and had a family myself that that that's definitely helped um, you know finding time for my wife for my kids uh, and making sure that I'm a, I'm a good father and a good husband first 
um, first and foremost. I think that that's that's really helped as as I've you know matured in in life and and in business. Um, but um, I, I think also understanding and respecting that um, you know people are going to have a view and they're entitled to it. Um, but but it's not always personal. Um, it, it, it's just their view of say Liam Scully, the chief executive, not Liam Scully, the human being. And I suppose that that's where um, I you know take solace and and, and respect um, you know that, that that's going to be you know an occupational hazard, shall we say? Right approach. Do you see that as t- as two personas then? Then to compartmentalise, as you said, that you you need to do that to make sure that you don't take those comments and those that that feedback as negative. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think that you know, I, I'd like to think you know, it, it's not a split personality. I'm I'm the same person, um, but what I'd like to think is um, you know, at home, um, I'm with my wife and my children you know, different qualities come to the front of the queue. Um, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a pretty unforgiving person at times and I'm, and I'm unforgiving with my children in terms of their, their discipline and their approach to things. But, you know, ahead of unforgiving when I'm with them, you know, comes, you know, my empathy and my nurturing and my caring for them. Um, so, you know, it, it's not completely abandoned. You know, it's, it's still the same you know, bag of tricks and, and same beliefs, um, but things just take a different hierarchy. And, and then when I come into work mode, you know, I'm still a caring, empathetic, nurturing person, or I'd like to think. Um, but ultimately, you know, from a professional front, there's the certain outcomes or certain things that, that have to be have to be done. And I think it's, it's you know, being able to kind of switch between the two is 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 really important look there's, there's no doubts i'll have bad days at work or bad times and you know I'll, I'll i'll take that out on on the closest people to you the nearest and dearest and hopefully over time they they've learned to kind of um tell me and and they do you know when i'm when i'm out of order um but i think it's it's just you know having only you know my, my, my wife's a very important person to me and in our relationship i think the one thing we do very well is communicate with each other um and and look, she she doesn't hesitate to tell me when I'm when I'm out of order and, and bring me back into check and she regularly you know the the joke we have in our, our house is that she's the chief exec at home um, and I, and I don't disagree with her but but you know I think that you know through through the kind of uh, comedy or the informality of that it, it does help you know put you back in your box and remind you of what space you're in. I think one of the key points and one of the things we're trying to get through with the podcast is. There are ordinary or um, everyday people in extraordinary roles. And I think sometimes when you're in an extraordinary role, like chief exec of a football club, people find it hard to see the everyday person in that. And some of the comments and, like you say, the judgments, I think people sometimes need to take a little bit to step back and, and realise these are everyday people with the same feelings, the same emotions as we go through absolutely uh, absolutely i think one of one of the things that I've, I've tried to do and and i don't know how well i've done it is is um is engage with the fans and talk to people on a on a, on a level um you know i'm I've, I've i've enjoyed twitter and and what that you know that that's brought you know if if uh, I'll I'll try and be open and discuss things with people and, and debate things. Um, 
no, I've I've got you know uh, there's a there's a professional approach that you have to maintain. But look, if people are rude to me on Twitter and they want to be rude, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, you know they set the terms of engagement. I'll, I'll be rude back. Um, you know, but but if people want to have a sensible debate and discussion, you know, I'm 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 all for that. And I think what what hopefully people will see and and I've got to you know the hopefully the the fans of Lincoln City know me over nearly four years now. If, if we make mistakes, you know, we will hold our hands up and we'll we'll say sorry. We always do try to do our best. We're, we're definitely not perfect, um, but hopefully, what they do see is that there's a there's a human side, and sometimes that might be sharing a bit of a joke, or it might just be you know uh, trying to show the fans that that you see it from their eyes as 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 well. Um, and, and without kind of getting really boring and into the, into the weeds of it, you know, what what I've often found in football is you know we have things like the supporters board. Um, who on the whole tend to agree with with the decisions or certainly steer the decisions that we make as a football club and the reason why that you know that that's good advocacy for us is because often the supports board we tool them up with the same level of information that we have so they're therefore making an informed decision so they've got the same conundrums as 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 we have and help us come to an outcome and and more often than not we, we 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 tend to agree and that gives me a lot of solace and comfort because i know that based on the same amount of information and same amount of you know the, the problems that we face that that we're making the right decisions on behalf of the fans more, more often than than not um so i think you know that that taking it back to this this subject matter um hopefully people you know now know that chief execs football managers players you know we we breathe we bleed we make mistakes uh, we have good days, we have bad days, we have mood swings, just just like everybody else, um, and and hopefully that you know, uh, you know we we are very very normal people, um, just like you say, very fortunate and very lucky to have found our way in, in into a a, a, a profession um, that that just happens to be relatively high profile in the media, but yeah, it, it's our honour and our privilege to serve football and football fans, not not the other way round. made me smile quite a little (laughs) I enjoyed that oh when you mentioned um about the supporters board I instantly thought oh I wonder if uh, Boris Johnson had a supporters board for <laughs> for COVID. Like, how would that go down? Can you imagine it would just be slinging paper plates and cups at each other, and it would just be a right mess. And so, um, it's quite nice that everyone at uh, Lincoln City, everyone seems to agree and wear the same hats. That's quite nice. <laughs> so, as a club, and, and I think you raised a good point. COVID, it's been a bit of an extraordinary time. And I'd imagine the mental health of the players has taken some toll to uh, be yes. able to adjust playing in a stadium without that interaction of the fans. What's, what have you done or, or, or conversations you had as a club to look at that and, and gear people up in the right way? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So I think the first thing you've, we, we've got to take, taking the technical abilities aside so you know taking away someone's ability to strike a ball or head a ball or catch a ball whatever it may be the the sport of football is 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 fundamentally 11 men or women but in our case 11 you know in this case 11 men going against 11 men for 90 minutes at you know man oh man um testing their skills against somebody else and, and often with really fine margins 
to define the outcome and, it, and it's quite you know gladiatorial um it it, it really mm. and and there has to be an element of show you know there has to be an element of bravado there has to be an element of you know for 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 michael appleton or the players you know for michael to stand on the touchline or for you know george grant to stand in the center midfield dictating play there has to be an element of confidence there has to be an amount of of bravado and there's got to be um you know something there a, a trigger that enables them to do that because without that they, they would not have the abilities to perform on, on on the stage um but what you can often find with that is there's some real highs and, and lows because emotionally psychologically you know preparing yourself for battle preparing yourself to go into the kind of uh, auditorium to to go toe to toe that there's a real process um within that and and what you've got to respect with with professional athletes is that they each have their own style their own way their own triggers their own method but in a team sport our, our job is to provide that one-to-one opportunity to get themselves in fight mode um but in a team setting um, and that and that can often be very difficult. You know, you've got some that listen to music, you've got some that just want quiet, you've got some that just want to be in and around noise and other stuff that's going on. And, and I think it's really important that you create that that environment, or you do the best that that you that you can. Um, and I suppose the surprising thing is, you, we talk about triggers, but not having fans in stadium has lost a lot of triggers for what players would have you know going into battle right. you know so signing autographs on the way in the noise in and around the stadium the vibes you know all of that stuff actually goes into this ecosystem that creates a performance so losing all of that um has has, has been you know quite a difficult and, and quite a learning process I, I, w- I would say um but that's the process on the way in so part of us in terms of getting peak performance out of players our, our sports science, our medical um, and our coaching team have had to understand how they, they best develop that. But the flip side to that is that you don't get the adulation, you, you don't get the ripple of applause, you know, the, the, the congratulations, the well done, the, you know, you don't get 10,000 people um, with the oohs and the ahs giving mm. you that feedback. Um, you know, live in your performance. And, and that's really, really interesting to, to take because, you know, we often say it feels like a training game or a reserve game, which are just very different in, in, in environments, um, in a sense. So all of that, like I say, it just goes into into the outcome, which is a which is a performance. And I think it's fair to say, and it's no secret, that in our industry, there's been some real players that have really thrived without the pressure of 10,000 people in the stadium and then there's been others that have probably lost that little bit of x factor just without having the crowd to 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 bounce off so that that from a performance point of view has been a been a real challenge from us but then going back to that you know the reason why the players put the work in that they do monday to friday in order to perform on a saturday um one of the the outcomes that they want <clears throat> as sports people has to be that adulation has to be that you know that that recognition of their skill from the fans and they just they don't have that so there's almost a large chunk of what performance is missing um whilst we works we operate games behind closed doors and you know uh, i often call it you know football insomnia sleeping after a, a game on a on a tuesday night 
even for me, is just really, really difficult because finding that off switch at the end of a performance, um, you know, it, it is draining, but there's it, it's almost not as draining without having the fans in because it doesn't quite feel that it's gone from being a loud environment, 10,000 people, to, to, you know, turning it off and everybody going home. It's almost like we're in the same state. Um, yeah. So that that's definitely been a real challenge and a real difficulty, and, and and one that we've definitely not not solved, and hopefully we don't have to get too used to it because um, yeah we're we're coming out of the the lockdowns and and behind closed doors. But, Fingers uh, crossed, yeah. No, I mean I totally get that. I mean even going to watch a game, you experience that massive high, and then you know for a good time after, there's a lot of buzz and everyone's very excited. So from a player point of view, you know you, you would not experience quite the same high as you would coming off the pitch and you know especially for our son you know when he gets to see the players and meet them and like you say signing autographs it's like meeting your hero and your idol and for the players they must really feel that and a sense of responsibility like you said to the fans and again it gives you that edge to move forward or um you're not so likely to choke under pressure. It's very interesting the on the knife edge which way it, it can go for the individual. Yeah, what what one hundred percent and it and it is that, you know, that that um the rituals are also your kind of coat of armors, you know, so signing autographs on the way in, it's a it's a, it's part of that trigger to get into battle mode and yeah, you we we've lost that and, and, and that's very hard to replicate in a in a in a plastic environment that, that we have at the moment, you know, mm. that that's the challenge. Has the way that you've approached from a sports psychology uh, point of view changed during COVID to combat the lack of that, that live environment and adulation that you'd get from a crowd? Um, I think what, what I wouldn't want to do here is kind of miss misspeak or, or kind of talk about areas that I've, I've not been heavily involved in directly with the with the players one to one but in terms of you know creating that match ready environment it, it has absolutely changed and it's changed for a couple of reasons it, it's changed because of the protocols that we have in place so you know it, it, we aren't even allowed at the moment to have all players in the same dressing room at the same time oh, wow. um, there, there are you know there are just things that due to covid management and and and, and de-risking the spread of any infections that that we've lost so um what we've what we've had to do as a football club overall is is um we've had to compromise and we've had to understand where we are non-negotiable in certain things and, and evaluate the risk and and the net benefit to you know so um that that's ultimately a, our job as kind of custodians of the football club and and as responsible for putting on a performance. That's almost what we've we've had to do, and there's absolutely been sacrifices. You know, pe- people won't know about it, but you know, players have have had to kind of isolate away from families and children um, in the in the early days when we've had kind of potential COVID outbreaks. You know, nights in hotels away from the family. All these kind of things that have have, have gone in in place. Um, and I think that's where it goes back to the real human factor. Um, you know, we, we, you know, more my side of the role or, or our football club overall has just got to understand the human factor of, of, of the footballers. Um, 
you know, and, and making sure that we try and create an environment that they feel that they can thrive, they feel that they're comforted in, but equally that it's challenging. Um, because, you know, the flip to this is if, if we do become um, too comfortable and if we do become, um, you know, uh, an environment that isn't challenging, then we lose our competitive edge. So it's a real balance of, of blending the two, putting the human at the centre of any decision, but equally knowing our responsibilities uh, as performers, um, which, is, which is a balance. Absolutely. It's really interesting to see the, the level that you have to go into to maximise and make sure you get the performance that you need on the weekend. Mm. Yeah, and, 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 and our industry, you know, is... We, people the outcome tends to be binary you know he or she's a good player or he or she's a rubbish player he or she was good today he or she was rubbish today you know it's it's polarized you know the outcome tends to be polarized and that that's not true the reality is you know we can actually be quite good um and lose so a lot of you know we we talk about the process first being process orientated rather than outcome orientated in the hope that the outcome takes care of itself but, you know, in our sport, the thing that people mark us against the most, which is a result, um, it is completely outcome orientated. You know, we, we've been like the truth of the matter is we've, we've been pretty average a few times this season. We've won. And then, you you know, you, you take comments online or things that people saying to you and you, you know it's not true because they're going, oh, it's a great game or whatever. And we, and we know there was more from us on the flip. You know, we've lost and we've actually been quite proud of our performance. Um but but people saying we were rubbish or not very good when when actually our own appraisal is that that we were all right. It's just the result didn't happen. Um, and interesting data is coming into the game. Things like expected goals are becoming a little bit more common terminology. I'm, I'm not saying expected goals is the greatest measure of, of performance um, or process. But I think what we are starting to get is as football has been using data and process um, more and more over the last 10 years that's becoming a little bit more uh, popular culture and, and more common so people are starting to get sound bites and, 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 and eyes on that level of data so hopefully there's a bit of a validation outside of we were good or we were bad um, that's starting to creep into people's analysis of, of our performance so Lincoln City is one of the football clubs I think from my perspective do an absolutely amazing job as uh, 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 in is the community and you work quite hard in the community one to provide opportunities for people certainly centered around football but also around mental health so I know recently you've launched the team talk project and we've saw the video and that was fantastic and players uh, uh, encouraging people to open up is that something that was always going to be on the agenda for a football club and all football clubs need to take a responsibility in the community? Yeah, I think, I think moving away from mental health for, for a moment, we, we have to take our responsibility as a high-profile organisation in the city of Lincoln, in the county of, of, of Lincolnshire, and equally with a worldwide fan base. Um, we have to take our responsibilities very, very, very seriously. You know, a lot of children and young people look up to our players um, a lot of fans, um, you know, give us an opportunity where where others won't. So just to diversify the conversation a little bit, you know, a, a quick example would be, you know, we talk to health practitioners, so we do a lot of work in 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 in, in physical health space. Um, so like like for example, 
um, you know, male 35s are typically really difficult to engage with and get to go visit their GP. Um, you know, the, the, the statistics and the data are out there that proven it's a really difficult demographic to kind of break down. Yet we've known and we've seen when football clubs have held pop-up GP surgeries as part of their match day, we know that it's had outstanding results and an unbelievable, you know, off the scale for referrals and engagement and actually getting people to to um, to go visit their GP. So what we do have is as a football club and as something that, you know, you're not a customer of a football club. You're a fan of a football club. You know, you it's in your blood. You know, you, you pick your football club at three or four and might be because of family ties or where you first game or whatever. And, and that's an allegiance. So with that allegiance, we've got an, we, we have an opportunity and we have a responsibility to, to use that for, for better, for, 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 for good, for, out, you know, just outside Saturdays at, at three o'clock. So if we can influence ongoing challenges, whatever they may be at, at that moment in time, obviously mental health, at, at the moment, you know, historically we've 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 been quite key in in areas of um, of of uh, education um, uh, and other areas. I think what what we ultimately want to do is we use the football club as a vehicle to engage. We're not specialists. We're not the you know we're not health practitioners. Um, we're not teachers. We're not doctors. We're not. But what we can do is through the brand and through the reach and through the social reach of the football club, we we can put our um, our, our branding. Uh, and our reach to, to good use, and I think that's where we we are we're probably most proud. Um, of course, we're proud of winning on a Saturday and rising through the leagues. But you know what ultimately would be really nice is that when you know when we when we um, when we engage with people, they say, well, I support my football club and I'm proud of my football club because of what goes on on the pitch. But equally, for everything that goes off the field, you know, maybe through engagement through any of the projects or schemes that I've mentioned, or even just having knowledge or knowing that that's, that's what we do as well as being a football club. Um, hopefully that continues to grow pride uh, and allegiance uh, and resilience in the allegiance. So, you know, maybe the days that we're not winning football and the on-field product isn't doing it for people, they can still stick with us because, you know, they, they can see the work and the efforts that we go to off the field. That's really amazing and really inspirational. How does that happen? How, how do you understand where and what element in the community you need to get involved in? And, and, and you have a people looking at those steps and saying, look, I think we can add some value here. Yeah, well, 100%. So we're very proud of the work of Lincoln City Foundation. We, we also engage with, you know, we, we have regular dialogue with, the, dialogue with the director of the CCG, you know, public health, um, various other sectors. And, and ultimately, you know, police and crime commissioner, you know, uh, as well. We were regularly, you know, around that table. And, and often the conversation is, how do we help your agenda? What's your agenda and how can we add value? Um, you know, it, it, it rarely starts as Lincoln City going, oh, let's save the world. That's, that's definitely not, not the case. It's just, you know, what's going on? What's, what's your, what are your problems right now? And how can we add value? How can we help, um, you know, uh, you achieve your objectives? Often that's talking to the public bodies um, and, and, and adding value. Obviously, the work of Lincoln City Foundation, our, you know, our charity arm, we're very proud of the work that, that they do. Um, and that's where, you know, we do employ or the foundation do employ skilled and, and dedicated people that are specific to that area of work. Um, and again, they wear the brand of Lincoln City. 
they 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 represent Lincoln City when they're out in the community, but they're not footballers or marketeers or commercial salespeople. You know, they are specialists in in their field, and I think hopefully through them and their work, um, we can continue to have a, a a bigger impact and a more embedded impact. You know, as as time goes on. That's amazing. I think one of the biggest. I'm a true believer in one of the biggest signs of of great leadership is making those around you better. And when I say those. I mean, communities, people, uh, uh, organisations. And it's really, yeah. really inspirational to hear that Lincoln City Football Club takes that seriously. And they're interacting and you're interacting with the communities and different organisations and asking, as you said, how do we help? Yeah, I th- I th- and look, you know, the, the self-gratifying a bit, I suppose, in, in this, Sal and Lucy, is, is legacy. You know, I think we all want to have a legacy in, in whatever we do. And I suppose our our why is is just that we hope that however long I'm chief executive of this football club or however long Clive Nates is the chairman, that you know, throughout our time we we've had an impact and we've made a difference. And hopefully that's on the field and hopefully that's you know, we you know, the primary purpose of why people support Lincoln City. But if it's not that, or if it can be and and as well, you know, it, it's because we've we've made a difference to, to people's lives and there's you know, there's one thing that I never ever forget working in football, and 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 please, this isn't meant to sound pretentious, but you know we are Disneyland for for adults in some places, um, and you know uh, Tom Hopper or Michael Appleton or George Grant just taking the time out to have a conversation with somebody or whatever that that can make a huge difference. Um, we're also aware of our sense of community that we have within the stands. You know, one of the biggest concerning factors I have is that you know. Match days are often people's release. Um, sometimes, if you work in a pressured job, it's your only release. Um, if you're a, a widow or a widow, you know, you, it's sometimes your only interaction with other other humans in a in a week or a fortnight. Um, so that that gathering, that community gathering, of ten thousand people every weekend has been lost. Um, and and that's that's quite scary when you think of actually the the mental health and the impact that that gathering does have. Forget football, forget the result. This is bringing together ten thousand like minded people on a on a on a Saturday and on a Tuesday night. And um, yeah, we we've lost that. And that that interaction, you know, often you know I, the way I think of it is like a fuel tank. You know, you can be running on empty, and just that bit of engagement or whatever just tops you up and fills you up and and gives you enough juice to to go again and yeah it, it does somewhat worry me that that that's been lost and as we come out of lockdown and as we we hopefully return some form of normality um i think we've got an obligation and a responsibility to understand how we build people's confidence back to coming to games again so they feel covid safe but equally you know it, it's going to be like um you know an overdose of the good stuff you know all of a sudden the leashes are off and, and we're able to get out again and i think you know we, we've got to prepare for that as well because we've all adapted and we've all learned to um cope in certain ways for the last 12 months and um and yeah it's going to be a real interesting i'm sure the psychologists are going to have a field day with us all as as we come out of lockdown and return some form of normality couldn't couldn't agree more uh- have you got an idea of when we'll be allowed back in the stadiums? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I've got Boris on speed dial. I'll, I'll call him this afternoon and see, hey? Nice one. You can give us an update. <laughs> I think everyone's just dying to get back to it, aren't they, really? So, 
How have you coped with lockdown? Personally, are you, you okay? Yeah, look, I, I'm very, very fortunate and lucky throughout this. You know, like I said, we will, you know, my wife and kids. We have a we you know we have a lovely home. We have a back garden. Um, you know, there are things that that we could do to kind of you know cope and, and and go through it and look you know it's been hard for everybody different degrees of of difficulty but if i'm honest i, I think on this on the on the richter scale of one to ten i think we've we as a family and and i as a person have probably been affected one one out of ten obviously financially for the football club it's been difficult so professionally it's brought challenges um but uh yeah i think i think personally I, i'm very very lucky and thank thank my lucky stars that the people around me um, you know, not not just family, but you know, even the likes of Clive Nates as, as chairman, who I obviously have a, a professional relationship with. But I think our relationship's far beyond that. You know, he's a very caring and nurturing person himself, and you know, uh, I think the support that we've had around us, and hopefully the support I've given to others, as um, you know, uh, hopefully given us, you know, come come out of this as as well as we we possibly could. Albeit, I, I'm sure, you know, we we've all privately had our own toils and, and struggles with it but yeah certainly from a personal level very very fortunate very lucky so um, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones that is for sure that's amazing well thanks ever so much i know you're a really really busy man so thanks so much for spending some time with us today to go through this and i think it's been really insightful and i think people will take away possibly a different view of how a football club really does interact with the community and see its obligations and its responsibilities in that space yeah no, no thank like you say thank you thank you very much for inviting me on it's been a, a real pleasure to talk to you and obviously a huge huge fan of what you guys do so you know keep keep up the great work and hopefully we can continue to collaborate uh, away from the podcasts and and uh, and doing the best we can in in what is a very important space for for people so yeah thank you very much you're welcome Thank you so much, Liam. It's been an absolute pleasure. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, like, give feedback, and if you can, give us a five-star rating. Love you all. Peace out.